Tonight, we take a look at Queen of the Dam 20 years later, then Conan the Barbarian 30 years later. And after that, we'll conclude by taking a look at Amazon Prime's new show, The Peripheral. All this coming up right now on The Writer Brothers. And welcome back to the Ryder Brothers, finishing up our Halloween movie picks with Queen of the Damned and Conan the Barbarian, and of course, the show we've been really excited to talk about, The Peripheral. But real quick, I'll just go around the room here. Uh, Mr. Corio, Witch and Residence, I know we got a little late start due to technical issues, but how are you otherwise? Uh, doing great, doing great, and I do apologize. Broom parking around here is very difficult, but I managed to finally find a spot. Yeah, you're in one of those kinds of neighborhoods where uh, you're not the weird guy in the in the. You're the oh, normal no, I, guy in the hood. Oh no, I'm like I'm in like the Toronto version of I hear banjos. Don't worry. <laughs> ain't nothing wrong with that. Um, Mr. Pollo Zapatos is also here. And how are you doing today? Oh, the stream element spot is running. Well, that's good. I didn't know it did that. Quite awesome. I am doing quite awesome. And Arende, how are you? Welcome. No, it did that. Quite. Awesome. How do you know Arende's here? Oh, I'm not getting. Uh, I'm not getting getting the chats properly. Oh, this is great. So I'm gonna have to look over here now. Arende, good e- good evening to you. Welcome. Um, so Corion. Yeah. Why, don't, why don't you go ahead, since it's, uh, since it's your movies, and this is kind of your holiday celebration on this show. Doing great. Hey, the thing decided to report in. Good. Good. Um, All right, so Queen of the Damned. Your um, holiday celebration so on this show. Doing if you're an Anne Rice person, and you enjoy that kind of vampire world she created, Queen of the Damned, as a book, usually holds a very special place in people's hearts. The movie, not so much, because they change an awful lot to make this movie work. That being said, there's a lot to like here if you're willing to look for it. Yes, the plot is different from the Anne Rice novel, but Stuart Townsend, I will say this till the day I die, plays an incredibly good immortal. He did great in League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. It was the one watchable thing in that movie. In Queen of the Damned, he's basically playing the same character, only he drinks blood, instead of having a really funky portrait. Um, He plays very neatly into the role of Lestat, and the premise of the movie is basically this. Lestat has been sleeping since his wake-up last time, and now he's come awake, it's the 90s, and he's woken up by a punk band. So what does he decide to do? He decides to become Marilyn Manson and run his own band. <laughs> yeah, and, that... <laughs> Sorry, you know, continue. No, it's, it's totally true. That's what I and, thought when I was watching. I was like, oh, it's the Marilyn Manson origin story. Okay. Right? Um, and his band starts taking off to a huge degree. And as it's taking off, the vampire hunters, watchers, whatever you want to call them, start to realize, wait a minute. He's breaking their rules of secrecy. He's coming out into the open and becoming very awake and aware to the general populace 
and needless to say, this is a completely unprecedented event. No one's really sure how to handle it. Yeah. This all starts coming to a head when the queen of the vampires, who's been sleeping since the time of Sumer, decides to wake up and pay her, who she wants to be, her new prince, a visit. So that's the basic premise. Now, yeah. Um, so I'm not familiar with the original novel, um, but I, and I, I want to just say that because I actually did enjoy this story a lot. Like this is one of those films I could probably watch once a year. Um, that, that, that like I was kind of blown away. This just feels like it just suffers from its product of its era. There's obvious yeah. early 2000s, you know, edge cheese going on, which all right, you can't really get away from that. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's it's just. I could see why in, in, you know, the early 2000s people watched this movie and, and probably were like, yeah, vampires are going to come out in the open and talk openly. Come on. What is this crazyville? Whereas here in 2022, if that happened, we'd be like, yeah, obviously. Um, it's so much has changed. Obviously. Not, yeah. It's, but so much, including the idea of just like superheroes, like at this point, <laughs> Like, we have, like, ever since Iron Man did it, it's, like, old news. Like, even though this guy was technically the first John, Robert Downey Jr., like, no. Yeah. When he said it, when he was like, you know what? I am Iron Man. And then the title Nobody... sequence is movie over. Yeah. And... Like, that's kind yeah. of, like, what Alistair did, or Listar did. And I think that was something that was, like, really, really funny was, like, and now it works. Back then, it was, like, faux pas. And impossible and unlikely. Right, yeah. and for the record, any vampires that are currently, you know, awake and roaming the night and are interested in joining our show, we'd be more than welcome to have you on the Rogue Council on Thursdays. We're, and not just Rogue Council, even on this show. I mean, you can see, you, you've got a messianic Christian mystic, a witch, and then whatever the hell John is on this show, a chicken. Um, Rinshaw writes in, If you do read them, skip out before Memnoth the Devil. That's where the franchise jumps the shark, in my opinion. Uh, Corio, I would agree. Okay. I would agree. I would agree. Um, that's that's two yeah, now that have told me. All right, line. good, got it. There's yeah. no, there is nothing. Memmo oh, before Memmoth. That's Corio's just response was no. Yeah, that's the line. Duh. Everybody knows <laughs> that. Yeah, yeah. Everybody no, that read past that knows that. Yeah, yeah exactly. Everyone, everyone that read Memnoth the Demon suddenly stops and goes, "Wait, wait a minute. What, what just happened here?" And starts, you know, having to go back in the previous books to look at where this could have possibly come from and it just doesn't come from anywhere so mm. that's yeah. yeah that's a that's a hard part about world building especially once you start making money off of like a one-off yeah and it's really hard to keep everything on track and to be fair i mean like Anne rice writes some fantastic stuff and she's worth taking a look at just from like a writing perspective on how to take dark imagery and make it work right yeah, and that's, it's, even if the movie deviates from the original writing so hard, like I said, I went into this movie not knowing anything, and it was the first time I saw it, and I, like I said, I was impressed. I, I looked at, looking at it from a writing perspective, objectively, just, okay, it has plot, it has characters, it's not, like, super complicated, it's fairly easy to follow, which I don't think... I don't even use that as a metric for... I, I think that's one of the silliest metrics that, that ever came up in writing is, oh, is, is this a, a Tolkien novel with five billion pages of backstory? No? Oh, it might as well be a kid's book. 
Yeah, I don't. I don't think that's a fair way. I think. I think regardless of what the genre is, you can objectively look at a story and clearly see. Okay, the story is there, and the acting was there. I didn't feel any part of super cringe. Like I said, the only cringy part was the music and sometimes just, just the just the stuff that you know it's from the early two thousands. Um, yeah, you see, I love the music though. I will say that. Like th- this soundtrack right. does work for it, the this time and this kind of setup of a movie, right? Yeah, it's that grunge rock for me personally has never really been my thing. I'm definitely a lot less uh apprehensive towards it than I used to be. I'm a lot more I'm a lot more open to different music tastes than I than I used to be back back when I if I had seen this movie in the early 2000s as a young kid yeah I probably would have hated it because of the music but but for me it the style doesn't work but it does fit the tone of the film and mm-hmm. to me the music is half the movie so that also did its job as well. Um, Rin Shar follows up says her post born again stuff is surprisingly good too. Oh so that is the author okay. I was thinking of okay. Yeah, no, I, I will have to, I will have to, I'll have to check it out then. Um, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> Ridge Shaw writes, on the upside, the original soundtrack isn't Affleck Daredevil, right? Okay, yeah, no, I, no, I'm not gonna. No, no, honestly, the, the soundtrack, <laughs> uh, I picked up, after watching the movie in the theater, I immediately went to the record store and picked up a copy. Um, it, it was a no-brainer for me to pick this up. Again, me, I like that dark, grungy kind of music, so this was I've right in my wheelhouse. Expert mode on most of the songs in the soundtrack. Ah! Disturbed, Alice in Chains, there was some Manson. Mm-hmm. I think I heard System of a Down at one point. Yep, there's some I, Papa I used Roach to in there. I love that music. It's like pretty early on. Nowadays, it's like lower on my tier, but well, I still love all those artists. And when I heard the songs, I was just blown back. I was like, oh, I love Disturbed. Like, when they started playing Down With This Sickness, right yep. there in the middle, I was just like... Oh, that's my oh, that's, that's my go-to amazing. theme song whenever I'm sick. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, all right, let's just get it going. And then yeah, I post on Facebook. I say, hey, guys, just letting you know, this is my life right now. Gotta get up. Come on, get down with the sickness. Nope. I had a friend of mine, Merrick Astroth, who's who plays in a band in Key West, and he wanted to do a version of that for the holidays. Yeah. Where to get up? Come on, get down with the Christmas. Uh, Orville Nation writes in, "Hey, writer bros. Hey, you. Orville. <laughs> Key J, good to see you. Arende writes in, "I think I've seen that movie as a kid. I just don't remember it, and I can remember DS9 episodes 20 years later. Hey, nothing, nothing wrong with that. Yeah, yeah good to have you caught us, caught, catching us, writing us live. That's yeah. That that and, thought derailed before so, it even left the station. So first, I was gonna say, um." For Disturbed, Invincible is like my song before I go do fencing stuff. So I'm right there with you. Yeah. Um, I, I do want to touch on that, but, though, because I've had discussions about grunge rock before that I think we're probably just kind of we're touching on. It is more of a phase. I mean, look at the band Train, for example. They started out super grungy, and now they're Train. Which is fine if you still like trade, but I but I had a discussion a while back with somebody that that it was like a, when some of the grunge rock stars were allegedly committing suicide, there there was kind of a pattern that's noticed there, and that kind of got me to realize that that's probably a product of staying in that music genre for too long, even just not just as a listener but as a singer, and I think it's important to kind of balance it out every now and then with the newer train type stuff, just just because it's on that though. 
on that, I would say like see asking Alexandria, they technically followed train and that they changed their tone a little bit and modernized, but they're still playing grunge and then saying, yeah. uh, pierce the veil. Well, and I think that uh, like I... the, the thing about the phases, it's more about like your station in life. Right. Like if you are still in that, I'm breaking walls, I'm fighting, fencing, you know, in the Marines, that's like, that's all military music is all day, every day. And when those guys came out to play for us and stuff, it was the greatest experiences of our lives. So I think yeah, I'm not saying it's bad. more of about a, it's, it's more of a mood. Yeah. That not everybody enters, but when you do enter that music just hits. Now, that being said, one of the things I really, really love about this movie is how both kind of like real and surreal any scene with the vampires are because when we see vampires in this we're led to believe by the cinematography that they're just normal people doing normal stuff and then suddenly you catch just little things out of place just enough to make you go huh there's something not right with that guy or that girl in the corner hitting on that guy seems not right somehow. They're just not moving right. Right? Like just something really simple, right? Yeah. And then um, you know, things get really, really interesting because then it suddenly goes off the rails and we suddenly stop seeing the trying to blend in and starting to see the predator show up. And that terrifying moment of oh, I was being stalked and I didn't even realize it is fantastic the way they've done it here. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, and then uh, Rian Shah writes in and says, nah, the public moved on, but there are some good bands that kept doing it after, like, failure. And and yeah, and I'm not saying, like, it's a bad thing. It's just, it's one of those things that I, I, I definitely bust out the caution tape for. Uh, you know, people gotta get through their phases the way they gotta get through, and I know that music can be helpful, that music can also fuel the other direction towards the swallowing lead, and that's all I'm just trying to to say. Hey, just be mindful. Because I, I didn't really dive into grunge during my depression phases. I went to the bottle of alcohol. <laughs> so I'm also just oh, speaking from someone grunge. who's you're been... Depression. I, I've swirled that toilet. It's not violent. fun. What's up? Uh, I, you're thinking of grunge as a depression music. I'm thinking of it as like an aggressive music. Like, yeah. if I'm in a if I'm in a workout grunge if okay. i'm gonna go for a run grunge if i'm gonna do like if i want to drive fast play a grunge song if i want to get hyped it's like my hype music if you will I'm yeah gonna, yeah i would also say like this depression, depression music for me still is just sad relationships uh, pink floyd for al- me personally but yeah i would also say this just like on the upcoming sunday show i've got going where john is gonna guest star you know the main character says it best can't rain all the time nice mm-hmm. um rinch star says grunge is a thousand percent heroin addict music though i i mean i yeah. don't know i was always too fat to I be feel a heroin like, addict so i feel like yeah you needed cocaine uh, those, not that we endorse cocaine usage on this show by any means but one of those square in the event you decide not to situations. listen to us I think it's one of those square rectangle situations. If you are on heroin, you love grunge, but just because you love grunge doesn't mean you do heroin. Real quick, real quick. So, you're fat, huh? Do cocaine. This has been shitty dieting advice from Petey. 
Um, brought to you by. You know that's gonna get clipped out, right? Like you know that's gonna get clipped. <laughs> that's fine. Um. Okay. Uh, anyway, I, I'm just saying we're gonna. <laughs> at some point, I'm gonna sit down, download all the episodes. And do a clip show of all the terrible things we have said on this show. I, you know, we have it coming, so uh, that's that's all good. Yeah, no, I was like I'll I said, I'll be the first to laugh. I was quite impressed with, like I said, I was impressed with the story. I was impressed with the characters, and I was impressed that that aside from yeah, the the early two thousands cheaper CG, I, I think with a few million more dollars invested, it could have been a substantially better film overall, and and. I could have probably touched a wider audience, but it's aging pretty good. I gotta say, yeah. as far as movies go, I was glad I to watch it. Thanks for the recommendation. Yeah. yeah, that was a really fun. Like in terms of vampires, this is by far one of the best, and actually makes everything after it seem really disappointing. <laughs> um, because like in all of the vampire shows that I've watched, from Vampire Diaries to Supernatural, not the same kind of vampire, but same elements. And then also, um, like, Twilight and stuff like that. Like, most of the female vampires are, like, barely making it. Just kind of slightly getting by. Whereas, like, the Queen of the Damned, who doesn't even show up until, like, the last, like, 10, 20 minutes of the movie. No. Has actually been... This is a case of the Legend of Zelda's. Running... Well, dude, she's been running the entire corporation that is her family. Because, like, she has like the idea to do that like i think that's where like all of the other vampire movies really fall off is they don't show what would happen if a parent became a vampire and what a parent would do because they are continuously living through their children and children's children's and children's children because like a parent has to be like do i want to bring my child with me on this terrible experience forever you know no i'll suffer but i'll make sure they don't and I'll do that yeah. by, you know, building this giant corporation that protects them in every single way. Well, and when, I'll when run it. Can... Like the whole stone thing, I like how that was actually a lie. Like yeah. she never turned to stone. She was just completely in the shadows, following her own rules. Well, I mean, when you think about it too, right? Every one of the vampires in this does something to keep themselves sane, to occupy their immortality with, right? Or tries to. Or tries to. Marius paints, right? Um, Lestat plays music. We we see every one of them have a thing that they're trying to fill their immortality with. Yeah. Um, That's uh, the funny thing, because I would say that those aren't there too. Like, one sec, I just... For yeah, when you're done, point, let me kick it to me and I'll do the fan mail. I don't think Maria is... Uh, his thing isn't painting. That's what he does while he does his thing, which is guard the statue. And then uh, Lestar is his thing is finding a thing. And that's what makes it like that's kind of where like the hero's journey is for this story is like his mission is to leave home and find a thing to keep him busy for eternity. And by the time at the end of the movie, like what does he find? Somebody who's already built a legacy worth following and looking up to. He finds a mentor, a trainer. And I think that's actually like not at all what you would get from this movie if you're paying attention to every scene. But like I've said in the past, like I don't always watch intently on movies. I listen more than I watch and look away quite often. And in that, like that was what I was listening to is I was hearing this story of this lost person 
trying to figure out this life is thrust upon them and having no adversary like nothing was as scary as he was especially yeah. not to himself so l- yeah. let's get the um, mail. yeah uh i'm gonna find out that rende must have been like myself from the future or something the <laughs> <laughs> rende writes in guess i'm the weirdo of the group of weirdos lol growing up i was listening to james horner u2 and queen so i did listen to james horner as well i did listen to a uh metric crap ton of you two growing up as well as others and uh our mother was actually a huge queen fan probably more than any christian conservative woman should be but hey that she loved what she loved and she was shameless Bro. about it did not care queen's I universal to queen's gold album of their greatest hits on repeat because it was the one cd that had a few songs i really liked yeah from uh is it i can't remember bicycles is one of my all-time favorite songs bohemian rhapsody obviously but uh back it's not backstreet girls is it flat bottom girls flat bottom flat bottom girls those are my no fat bottom girls they're fat Fat bottom bottom girls as i say flat bottom girls do not make the rocking world go round. sorry ladies with no ass it's just not there um rin also says hey queen invented thrash metal you know Mm, yeah that's true all right, so then I guess uh, let's move on to Conan because we got. Uh, okay. Yeah. Well, or did you guys you actually? I meant to ask before, but we were dealing with technical problems. Did you all, by chance, uh, finish reboot? Not yet. No. Oh, Not yet. Okay. Yeah, the season finale was yesterday, and so we might follow that up next week because uh, well, we should probably Sounds follow good. it up. But let's see. Yeah. Make sure. Uh, and moving on to, well, what I kind of found to be not as well written or executed, but definitely one of those watch at least once and who knows, maybe some insight could be provided to change my mind or maybe, maybe this, maybe I was meant to suffer. <laughs> Conan the Barbarian came out the same year as Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan and the only real version of the thing that matters and yet, with those two powerhouse movies of that year, we get this. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry, so... Corian. I know it was your pick. I'm trying not to shit on oh, you too no, no, hard, no, no, but no, not at all, not at all. Oh, you did this on purpose. Okay, no, no, go no, ahead. No, no. Give us the give us okay. the reason why you subjected us to such mental torture. Okay, so the... Robert Howard is one of my favorite authors of all time. Mm. Okay, um, the Conan series of books is probably one of my favorite reads when I'm just, I need to to get into, you know, that I'm fighting something big and I need to deal with it kind of move. That's the thing about him. And Conan the Barbarian is, I, I, I'm willing to bet if Howard saw this movie, he would have literally walked away in disgust. And that's what kind of makes it hysterical. Um, the movie bears very little resemblance to the actual Conan novels, but what it does do right is put Arnold front and center and let him just be Arnold on the screen for a long period of time. And if you're going to throw somebody against, um, like if you're going to put a bad guy, that's going to have enough gravitas to stand up to Arnold putting, uh, what is it? James Earl Jones as his antagonist is gotta be the best choice you could make for an antagonist that can live up to 
the the scene chewing power that is Arnold. Because I mean, let's be honest, most of his combat training consists of you know pushing the wheel, right? Like, there's no real you know more what than was that. that even for. I you know because they could. They wanted to show him being oh. a slave, I guess. So it's just like being but, in the military. Yeah, right? Like, it, But it was Wait, fantastic, right? right? Like, we get, you know, at the end of the day, though, you know, Arnold does fit the Conan mold fairly well with the character by the end of it. Because Conan is not a good guy. He's a thief. He's a barbarian. He does what he needs to do to earn money and, and continue the fight on. And that's what's neat about this character. And when you have James Earl Jones turning into a giant freaking snake, you've got yourself a movie there. Even if that, like, if I went into a, a movie studio and they're like, okay, pitch. And I was like, James Earl Jones turns into a giant snake, fights Arnold as a barbarian. Yo, that movie's getting made. The rest of it doesn't matter. The movie's getting made. Right? And that's kind of what we get here is a lot of weird wackiness that was set up right. to set up those and particular situations. And it's fun. It's ridiculous. Arnold punches out a camel. You can't ask for much more than that. That, that, that is probably one of my favorite moments in cinema now. Just, just in general. Like, it's so random and so just Arnold. And it's yeah. just so perfect. I, like, it was worth seeing the movie at least once to see that scene. I'll give you that. Yeah, like, I mean, look, you remember the, the, the Sylvester Stallone Judge Dread, which was really just Sylvester Stallone being Sylvester Stallone? And while it's not Dread, it's still a fun movie to watch because of that. This is one of those. This is Arnold just being Arnold, but it's so ridiculous that it makes it fun. Yeah. Um, all right, and uh, we got some fan mail now. Rinshaw writes in, uh, also, if you want some weapons grade Oofti or Ooftonium Triconan the Destroyer. Yes. Arende <laughs> uh, says, yells in, Lol, I remember yeah. the camel punch. Lol, <laughs> I remember the camel punch. Yeah, see, try that. that. You got to put a little behind it. There's also the, um, also to our viewers on Facebook, we're sorry, but it looks like Facebook's crashed. Although I'm not sure why I'm saying that. Cause you're not going to hear it. So, oh, well, Oh, uh, another one for, for the, the ages in that movie is, uh, Conan's prayer to Crom, where yeah. he's like, uh, you know, I don't know if you're listening and I really don't care, but I'd like your help. And if not, screw you, <laughs> I'm do it anyway. It's a very honest prayer. Perfect. Yeah. You know, I'm like, that's perfect. Yeah. You know, you can't ask more than that. And oh, I, I, I feel like knowing what I know about the backstory in all the Conan books and of Krom, I'm willing to bet Krom would just laugh at that and be like, yeah, okay, now you're getting my help because that was hysterical. Right? Yeah. And then there's, um, I also love the scene between the, the two of them uh, where... You know, they're arguing over, my god will kick your god's ass. No, my god's better than your god. I'm like, yeah, this is why we don't have world peace. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, Rich Sharwright said, you do have to address Conan's absolutely phenomenal soundtrack, though. Oh, yeah. I Please feel free what you found phenomenal about it, because I was still waiting for a Klingon bird of prey to come flying in, because, man, did that soundtrack sound a lot like Star Trek Four. Um, it, uh, it had like, fact. it had some good areas where it built up and then it just turned into his fighting theme. And I'm like, 
da 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 you know from from well, the whale I, episode of I, Star I, I hate to break it to you but you've got a very good ear because I believe they are the same composer <laughs> was it James Horner that did that one I know Horner I did think uh, it is. yeah that would make sense because he recycled the Wrath of Khan theme on Aliens as well yep uh you just played it backwards instead which oh wow it was just feat of brilliance i'm so glad we have john williams to to have a real musical standards but i am open to interpretations so so rin if you have a an idea that i need to consider please share it in the chat well um, I, I will I, say it is a well, good backer sure he was trying for when to you're see hiking. if you got that knowing oh you know what he could be typing a sarcasm and that's very hard to tell with 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 the text-based yeah. medium i mean it, it's it's got it's really good well as a writer the, i can read sarcasm yeah. in writing it did help the it did help the slower scenes because one of my i think my biggest issue was this movie could have easily been cut down to an hour and 30 if if we just didn't have so much time spent on establishing shots true quiet we're on an establishing shot <laughs> let some music music build up Okay, but to be fair, when the Lord, when Peter Jackson does it in Lord of the Rings, it's you know we, we appreciate it now, right? This is proto Lord of the Rings. It there's just a difference in the way they went about it. Like I just feel that that a couple of the scenes merited, yes, warranted that slow. You know, you want to get it established, but it just seemed like that was the theme throughout the entire film. Uh, like I, I was just like, oh man, we're gonna look at this vista again, okay? Let's, um, I'm going to go pee and was, I go and pee and come back. Yeah, finally, we're still on that same shot. The whole pitch meeting for the film was we can, uh, we can finally film on helicopters and take out the sound. So let's <laughs> so, write something to fit this. So take it out. Two uh, Red Shaw writes, it says it's not Horner. Looked it up. Same guy as RoboCop though. Ah, oh, okay. okay. Yeah. Like I said, mm-hmm. I think it did a good job with the more subtle, quiet background scenes. Um, Oh, message retracted. Disregard what I just read. Um, I think it did a good job with with like the more yeah when they're like sneaking around the giant snake and then and then it was just it was every time it busted to his main theme I was like this is Star Trek four. <laughs> so, it was it was well, I think hard. It's funny, like the theme thing and everything Schwarzenegger. It seems like how can we bring like the WWE into a film? Because, like, that's who Conan's supposed to be is the size of a WWE guy. And so, like, the fight music, they were like, yeah, you got to keep the fight music. That's you might as well have just done the TOS fight music. <laughs> that would have been somebody an improvement. Recut, if somebody recuts that Conan the Barbarian with that with oh, the Star Trek music, I will watch the hell that, out of that. That'll be a yearly tradition at that point. I would absolutely <laughs> have to watch that every, oh, man, that would be, that, that, <laughs> that's a good idea. Um, you just have to. I feel like Conan the Brian, just so long as you don't do what Mexican Brian. Iron Man does, when you know he's got a girl over. That the Star Trek fight music is what he plays, and I just don't think that works for him. That's that's not gonna have the mating ritual results you are seeking, there, buddy. Um, <laughs> my my thing is is I think that when it comes to Conan, I feel like it's ready for a modernization Monty Python. And instead of the horses clacking, it should just be somebody following him around singing the Star Trek. Singing music, like, dun, 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 and he's the one making all the noises the whole time. 
Oh, and nobody man. ever acknowledges him except for Conan. Conan's the only one that knows he's singing, and everybody else just sees him next and doesn't do anything. Like, they never attack him, never acknowledge his existence, just... And Conan's like, get out of my ear! Yeah. You killed my sound oh, effects dude, guy! him up in a fly, in a fly costume. <laughs> and oh, man. Just, no, like, I think it would be perfect, especially, like, if you low-budget it. You don't try to CGI a fly. You just have a guy in a fly costume following him. But everything else, CGI, like, modernized, the flyovers, everything. Even steal some from Lord of the Rings just spliced in there. Desert. <laughs> green Oasis Desert. Desert. A bunch of hobbits crossing across a mountain. Desert. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, if Mel Brooks... Uh, Bilbo running out the door for no reason, just no. It's Mel just... One flash, like in a Fight Club, but instead it's just random Lord of the Rings scenes for one second. Conan the Barbarian by Mel Brooks is what this is quickly churning into. So now all we need is a, is a musical number. We'll get the guys from Hamilton to bust out in a musical number in the middle of a fight. The, uh, the two new kids in the first movie of Pitch Perfect, the two guys, the one that's the magician... And then the like love interest, those two just constantly doing all the singing. Also, chasing Conan. Also, you can't just have just the Star Trek Who? music. Conan's you, played by Danny DeVito. But you've also got to pull. You've also got to bust out. Great. Yeah. Well, re <laughs> remixing remixing the soundtrack, you can't just do the fight music from TOS. Obviously, you have to put in the Imperial March every time James Earl Jones is on screen, especially when he's in his not Darth Vader Darth Vader armor. No, just have Darth Vader Seriously, scenes. there was once the CD's on the horse standing there. I'm, I'm thinking to myself, <sighs> I'm like, yeah, yeah. No, you, you kind of want his sword to start glowing red suddenly. For oh, like I, no reason. Anytime it's anyone pulls out a sword in any plane. media, I just go. Uh, let's see. Arende says all that Mel Brooks movie needs is the Hobbit's uh, going plaid. Plaid or or well, they're already plaid because they're kind of like hillbillies. It's a little mm. redundant, but <laughs> what they could do is they could have the elves do something, and I don't know what to do. Yeah, my my improv. No. I didn't. I didn't graduate from no. improv uh, academy. I don't know if I would throw out like I think the the hobbits can't <laughs> spaceball reference very well. Very oh well, yeah, Randy. no, I, I'm sorry, Renda. Yeah, I totally got that. I was just like, they're already plaid. Um, I, I read into <laughs> references and jokes a little more than anyone should, and at this point, I just accept it's who I am. It's fair. Yeah. Well, no, see, and that that to me is actually a perfect segue into what I thought of Conan because anything that's not 2005 and newer, I just give it that it was old, like. A, they didn't know that any of this was possible, and B, how could they? And that, and so like that's how I went to watching this. But then I like to me, I, all I saw was the same thing. Like when I watch old Star Wars, is like, yeah, it wasn't the perfect CGI even at the time, and now with the modern add-ins and stuff like that, and it beautifies it. But like, it's the story that counts. It's the universe around the story that counts. And I think with Conan, the thing that like really i thought was fun was like where are the demigod stories that don't have the gods as the main antagonist where's where's the hercules story that's just about the scene fighting the hydra because like 
it's not a superhero movie because they can have all sides of a human because they are supposed to be half human. And then they can also have all the powers of a superhero, but all the naivete of a human, all the negligence of a human, all the failure of a human. And I think that's something that Conan really, really had at its like yeah. core. At what it See, could they... become and what it can be in like in modern days, I just feel like that's that movie, yes, it technically is long. It was pretty arduous to watch. But at the same time, the way it ends, the way it is and still like lives on in, as a video game to this day, like that's better than still most media today. Like it was boring because it was two hours long with a lot of plays. Not boring because the story was boring. Yeah. And I so think that's this, something that matters. Yeah. So this story is part of a, a genre which um, they call sandal and sorcery. The basic idea is it's, you know, physically buff dudes taking on uh, powers that they have no way to deal with their concept of. Right. And the only way that they can really deal with it is by hitting it with a sword harder, stronger, faster than the other guy can wiggle his fingers. And that's the idea of these stories. And in a lot of ways, when you think about it, like that's kind of a, to me, that's a, my kind of horror scenario, right? Where it's like, you know, there's this giant tentacle monster coming at you and you have a big metal stick, right? Like when you think about that from that perspective, that's a pretty terrifying scenario, right? Like even if you know a sword well, you know, that's for, you know, this is a tool for taking on other people, not for taking on, you know, like Cthulhu with, right? But and, then to have the, the scene where the, the hero just has the heart to go to war. Exactly. I, I yeah. feel like it's something that makes that horror way more, way more admirable, worth yeah. watching <laughs> in terms of like, I am scared of Tennessee's and Cthulhu, but I'm also willing to look really tough while i die fighting it that's it and that's that's to me what makes this a good halloween movie is you know we we get the terror but we also get the no i'm gonna face this i'm gonna fight it mm -hmm. yeah um sorry to kind of shift sh subjects back for a second but hey it's what we do Shoot. on this show we have open discussion sometimes uh rin shaw writes in says hobbits equals hillbillies is now officially pd's worst take well, okay. I guess you're right. I mean, Dude, let's see. They're so closer to they, a they, communist hippie me, commune. Yeah, yeah. Let's see. They they grow their own food. They pride themselves on growing their own food. They smoke a lot. They live out in a in a forest kind of area. They provide for themselves. They make their own clothes. They don't really want to have anything to do with the rest of the outside. Well, yeah, no, you're right. Totally nothing in common. Look, I, I get that they're not exactly... I'm not trying to say that they're, you know, riding around in an orange painted buggy with a Confederate flag on top blowing the Dixie horn theme. It's a hippie commune, though. Exactly. Like, I, I feel like that's what hillbillies Northern are. California dream. Well, no, the, the big difference is most hillbillies don't dance around a pole for somebody else's birthday. No, they just dance around that's where the a barn. Part really comes in. Well, they dance around a barn with a bunch of... There really isn't a whole lot of difference between hippies and hillbillies, John. There, there really I, isn't. John, at oh, some point, let me, me explain the maypole to you, because there's a there's a whole thing there. There's a huge thing there. I don't remember it all, but I have participated in several maypole festivals. Yeah. Ah. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. 
traditional Maypole festivals, one and two, does your wife know? Because I think she probably should no. know. <laughs> These were when I was a child. Oh, these okay. were the family friendly um, more in the reform. Oh, yeah, okay. The reform. Okay. Yeah. PG okay. Because I was going to no, say. I think it was like PG version. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Like G version. Okay. Um, I don't know all the, yeah, like I said, I don't know all the, the festivities and I don't know all the ceremonies, but I do know that it is an important festival slash ceremony. Yeah. When we can be sure the kids aren't watching, I'll explain the Maypole to you. Yeah, um, Arende writes in, I'll take a good story over pretty explosions any day and follows up with narwhals can take on Cthulhu. R-L-F-L. Cthulhu. Oh, well. And what? yes, obviously. Cthulhu. Well, he spelled it Thulu, but... Uh, that, that's Cthulhu. spelled. Is it spelled C-T-H-U? It I thought there was a U before. Yeah. You're supposed to not be able to pronounce it. Or, or in the Americanese, It's Cthulhu. always been... Well, no, it's always been reader's interpretation. That's the best he could get with the consonant sounds. And that's part of the reason why I love Lovecraft. Because some of it is just so unpronounceable and screwed up. It's fantastic. Dude, Midsummer was phenomenal. Also, I I do want to... ever watched it with hates that movie. I love that movie. I I did also... It wasn't Midsummer's Night's Dream. I did also want to finish up, too. If you're... As far as the worst uh, worst take uh, for Lord of the Rings goes, I offer Rings of Power. Oh, uh, the Rinshar says y'all need to watch Midsummer next, huh? Uh, I don't know. Do Mid- we? That is a Midsummer. 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 Because it's a festival in. Correct me if I'm wrong. Norway, or is it Sweden? Um. Just about all the traditional peoples of Europe had a version of Midsummer. Ah, there you go. So it's a pretty universal. Who would be the one to? Would it be the Vikings that would have pushed it, or do you think it would have been the Celts? Oh, the Celts. God, dude. The problem with the Vikings and the Celts when it comes to holidays is the the Vikings invaded the Celts back in the formative years, so all of their mythology gets kind of intertwined and weird at points. Mythology, I thought. Oh, We're not just talking well, about the fact that red hair. Well, the mythology, the culture, all of it gets intertwined a fair bit, so it's really hard to tell where things separate out now. Well, I, that, my question more is just: Do you possibly know the origin, like who he was saying it first? Because it, it, a lot of it seems, especially from what I've learned from the Celtic culture and from the Viking culture, the greater Viking culture is just. As much as there was the raiding and the pillaging, there was still also market trade and merchants. And so people yeah. are, I feel like there's a lot more Marco Polos than we've heard about. Yeah. So basically, so a couple of quick things first with them. Yeah. A couple of quick things. First, the Vi- the word Viking literally translates to leave your village for work. Right. So I'm a Viking. I've left right. my village for many works. Right. So um, you got to remember that. For the next piece is, as for midsummer festivals, the Greeks, the Romans, the Slavics, the Celts, the Norse, all had a holiday at midsummer, roughly the same with roughly the same concept involved. And part of the reason why is because midsummer is actually the day where you have the longest amount of light of any day of the year. So oh, it was sig- exactly. So it's significant 
to all of these peoples because it's also one of the major harvest times of the year. So there's a lot there. And each one has their own various traditions involving it. Um, you know, modern people of kind like of practice accent. a hodgepodge of all of them now. But mm-hmm. um, because all those cultures intertwine and intermingle and discuss and share and stuff. So getting, you'd have to get a real, you know, accredited historian as opposed to the amateur one that I am in or to pull that one The one that was Snorri Holston or snorry something or other yeah like you'd have to get in somebody along those lines because that's just a little bit beyond what i can offer fair enough i'm just curious and if we're yeah. wondering how this all ties in and doing well he basically was a viking yeah at least in look appearance activity choices willingness to fight ability to fight and overall acumen yeah yeah just the sand version of the sea version Arende writes in, says, If you didn't get the Narwhal joke, look up the Narwhal song by Webble Stuff. Yes. Um, and then uh, Rinshaw writes yeah. in, It's got a maple! It's wholesome! In reference to Midsummer. And uh, Rinshaw then follows up with, Viking meaning left home for work is accurate in the same way that Ronin means unemployed is accurate. Like, sure, but it's a little more specific than that. Yes. Nori Sturlson. That was the main super, super Jesuit Christian who wrote about everything he could find on the Celts and Norse. And he was very, very, very biased. So if you read up on him, he tries to... And and I don't say any of that to disparage his work. I just say that to put the lens on his work that he tried to merge the cultures while writing about somebody else's culture without ever actually just writing their lone culture down. Well, my, my takeaway from some that of their poems. My takeaway from that is uh is every time I leave home from or leave home for work, I'm a viking. Yeah. Um Well, you got the beard for it going. Exactly. So. I got the beard, I got the hair. I, I just, you know, I don't have a sword. All I have is these stupid guns. So you know, you know, missing out on something. Range. All I do is, Please. yeah. Actually, I if do. If you sharpen one side of the gun and throw it at somebody, you can call it an axe. If you start stabbing people with your gun and only shooting the ones that run away, that's pretty Viking. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> terrifying. Honestly, that sounds like have a have issues really with shooting people game. in the back for some reason. Um. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dude, we're saying Viking. That morality was long gone by the time you're playing Viking rules. Yeah, I don't think claiming Viking as my religion is going to save me from shooting someone in the back either. Uh, they they, no. they kind of frown upon you, ritual you killing. You uh, impale I... people with the barrel at first. <laughs> that was what I was saying. Is like It's mostly a hatchet or a handled sword that you poke people with. And then when they run... That's when you pulled the trigger. Arende writes in, I do have a small sword I got as a kid. Yeah, mine didn't grow much more either. Oh, oh, you mean an actual sword. Um, yeah, I was there. I took it. Uh, that's that's as dirty as we get on this oh, street. He says a usually. mall sword, too. Not a small sword. A mall sword. Ah, uh, well, see, if I just oh, I have trouble seeing. Equipment. I have trouble Dyslexia seeing my screen that. some for I don't know why. I, I can't read words. Uh, as clearly as I should be able to from this distance, it's you mean something's from the gutter? interfering with my vision, I guess. Uh, 
Yeah, yeah, that's it's because I'm yeah. I, I have a mall sword I got as a kid. Oh, well. Yeah, I mean, I've got... Somebody has a parent that loves them, I guess. I it must be nice. Every time we tried to buy crap from the mall, all we got was Legos. Oh, jeez, what am I running around with these days? Um, uh, I have a Pizarro and a Sparta Ropera, um, a Naganata, a Cavalry Saber, um, which has an interesting story on it. And, I don't know, I think, like, two or three others around um but then when you do fencing you know people hand you swords and you just kind of go oh okay i i want a replica of whatever the hell jack churchill used when he's torn the beaches playing bagpipes that would be a scottish claymore are you sure because i've heard that's not the case uh, I was told I, it was a Scottish That's claymore. what I heard, too. Yeah, that's what everyone thought was a big, giant claymore, but I think he had more of a rapier no, I don't style. Think I don't think the Scottish claymore is giant. Are you sure? Because I've seen William Wallace's I, I claymore, and that was, like, taller than me at the well, time. Not Probably still is. There was a big thing with cavalry. Like, that's why the only uh, sword still in military commission to this day is the NCO sword. And the NCO... Or, and the lieutenant... Uh, officer sword but the nco sword um was reduced in size for cavalry, and that cavalry sword became the traditional one so i'm pretty sure there was yeah a version of that molded closer to the scottish claymore yeah red shaw writes in says they always say it was a claymore which is still a badass sword and like i said you get the william wallace connection if you get one uh they always say it was claymore but you can see in pictures it was a basket-hilted broadsword. Oh, so I know what it is he's using. Uh, just Do looking at the one? pictures here. I don't, oh. but my roommate did have a Shinavona, which is the which is a basket-hilted, wide-blade sword that is about that length, which was lovingly referred to as the Scottish mercenary sword. So, there you go. Uh, yeah, just Rich, looking at the cool. picture here. Richard follows up. A claymore is the Scottish Montanan or dang it, Montan or Mont. Struggling with that one. I want to say Monty? is it Montanti? Yeah, Montan, Montant or Montanti or Z. Uh, Mon Zweihander. Yeah, Zweihander. Zwei. Oh, yeah. Yeah. German two-hander sword. Yeah, the Ryder Brothers is very educational. I guess it comes with the name. Um, and Scottish Montant. Yeah. Montant. Montant. Sounds like French, French pronunciation, but... Mm -hmm. Montante. Yeah. Okay. Montante. Montante. Yeah, just like R-N-D. Oh, damn it, I said it wrong again. Um, yeah, yeah. There was definitely... I, I will say this. Okay, let me let me think... Thinking back with the positives of what I did like about uh, Conan the Barbarian. The the fight sequences were good. They they were they were definitely... They were... Well, I mean, the violence was pretty tasteful up until they broke into Epstein's Island and then, you know, they're eating Soylent Green, which... That was some interesting <laughs> imagery. Snake Master feeds humans to other humans. That's a little... Uh, Totally not going on the right absolute now. absolute greatest scene is when he's in the cage and they're like, he's reading the works of like all these people and it's just... 
And then they, yeah, and then they bring him a woman and, and watch as 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 he does something that is usually pretty common to most other people by then. But hey, they want to watch, they want to watch Arnold make another baby Arnold. Well, you know, it can't always be with the maid, right? Well, no, there. Well, that it's actually funny. We can't joke about it, but there was a point in the story like he was treated as though he was a prize stallion, right? Yep. So it was more like people were paying his master to bring him like their slaves to get his blood or his sperm mm-hmm. um which you would and especially like in stallion insemination stuff they actually do watch to make sure it took place and it was the stallion they wanted so that's that's ironic because for uh, sure but literal surprisingly yes. yeah well that's ironic because it's been theorized that arnold might also be a product of breeding manipulation himself. Uh, that would actually make for an interesting rogue council discussion. <laughs> mm. um, well, I think I think the thing with like, especially bodybuilders like Arnold, I think one of his biggest things against him is he chased the limelight, and with the limelight comes the scrutiny. But like, yeah, look at the mountain. The mountain never chased the limelight. The limelight found him, and the mountain from the Game of Thrones has never been accused of using steroids, as far as I know. Well, and he's also only he's known as the, the mountain. mountain, though, too. <laughs> yeah, so, like, that, that freak genetic pool does exist, and there we go. For our uh, no. Python modernization, the mountain plays Arnold. Oh, my God. <laughs> Actually, I kind of want the guy who play um, who plays um, Tormund, uh, Giant Spain in Game of Thrones. Oh, uh, yeah. Because he's got Giant... a sense of humor, right? It... Yeah. Yeah, I could see Giants being. Well, no, I could really see the mountain playing the the Ar- the Conan, but I could see Giants Bane being one of his posse. Better oh, yet, no, sure. no, better yet, I got it, I got it. Mountains Bane plays the talking version, the 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 screen actor, and then you have the mountain trade places, and you even have a scene where where he's getting ready to fight, and he goes, "Oh wait, forgot to swap you out for the stunt man." Oh, right, sorry. And then the mountain just yeah, they walks just in. tag out, just tag they just out. walk up Even and tag better. and carry on. <laughs> Even better, uh, Giant Spain, he runs around in a cloak, and whenever they get into like a situation, he hides under it. Uh, I believe, <laughs> and then yeah. starts talking, and the mountain never says a word or moves his <laughs> lips. He just does all of the voice acting for. Um, and then Rinshaw writes in, uh, Halfthor Bjornsson. Cool dude. Yep. And I hope I pronounced that name correct. Um, I think you got it pretty close. Yeah, I know there's going to be a comment like 10 years from now. On, on this specific video where someone's going to try canceling us for referencing drug usage, um, my mall penis sure. joke, and uh, <laughs> and now this. <laughs> so, well, I, I You pronounce the names so wrong. I well, like... I, I know. Um, it's not because I'm not trying the uh the norse blooded people of europe are the canadians of europe much more dealing with their own stuff to be worried about how you're dealing with their names i i know it's i'm 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 a joke yeah don't no, do not the, cancel the writer actually groups, please cancel yeah. the writer brothers please 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 tell everybody not to watch us yeah there were like terrible do not blast yeah. our name everywhere do not Tell us that do people shouldn't. Yeah, let everybody know we exist. <laughs> Don't do not hit that like. Come. Do not hit subscribe. Do not hit share. Do not. 
Do not collect two hundred dollars. Your social media, <laughs> go directly to jail right now. We're actually <laughs> undercover cops. Yeah. You're all under arrest. Turn around, GCS. We're here. Yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, I think we do have plenty enough now to unpack with Peripheral since we are doing the first yes. two episodes. But before oh, good, we do that I story, both of them in a row and was pissed there wasn't a third. Well, the third one's next week, and we have a weekly show. But first of all, this show, this stream, is brought to you by C&C Sutlery. C&C Sutlery for all of your Civil War reenactment needs, as well as living history. Now, you might be asking yourself, well, why exactly are we sponsored by a place like C&C Sutlery? What exactly does that even remotely have to do with anything that we cover on this show, well, guess what? We are greedy and we like money. That too. But <laughs> we also, uh, they also provide a lot of props for a lot of movies and a lot of shows. Um, we're actually quickly becoming the number one provider for Civil War and era type gear. Um, we also provide a lot of the stuff for all the different uh, regiments uh, and uh, battalions that do reenacting so and they of course come in all different varieties you have your hardcore actors who only allow you with authentic gear and of course you know you have your i want to be comfortable because i do reenacting for a living types who buy our more comfortable um but you can find that here on the homepage ccsutlery.com and of course if you scroll uh oh wait do we oh there i scroll past it all the way down here, we have this movies and TV series section. A couple of new titles that have been added, of course, Emancipation, which comes out on December 2nd. And uh, I Heard the Bells from Sights and Sound Films. I don't know anything about that. Ah, it takes us right to the trailer. Well, we'll have to look into that one. Um, but either way... Uh, if you see them, if, if you, you see go them, to their website, give us a shout out. If you got a CC Sutlery, yeah, put in the comments section. I came here from the Ryder Brothers, and, well, it doesn't get you anything special yet, because we only have 89 subscribers at this time, but we're working on it. It could convince them to change their mind. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Friday, one of the best science fiction shows since uh, Altered Carbon Season 1 on Netflix, at least for me, came out called The Peripheral. Who would like to do the play-by-play -play synopsis for this one? I just did too. It's up to one of you guys. Don, you were it's so excited to talk about it. Oh, dude, I'm too excited to remember how everything <laughs> happened in a row. It That's was fine. We so can use, fun, but we there use were so IMDb. many overlapping steps. We reference IMDb here. It's not... No, I... Like, so, I can... I'll rough sketch it. Uh, I got it. Or I'm pulling it up. Oh, you got it? You got it? Parker's got it. Working on it. Uh... <laughs> But why don't you go ahead and share your initial thoughts because you seem so excited you forgot what happened. All right. Well, it's not that I forgot what happened because it's, it's just I forget the order of events because they're so cool. Um, if you loved Ender's Game, if you love uh, Ready Player, Ready Player One. One, and if you love... If, if you're mad about the Tron the Legacy. Combination. Oh, Tron Legacy, Tron in general. If you like the idea of video games... Westworld and not hyper science fiction, just slightly advanced time lapse. Like it, it's something like 70 ish years of time. Um, and it's about 10 years in, in the future. And then there's, it's so cool. If yeah. you want to jump into it. All right, here we go. 
Storyline for Episode 1. Flynn Fisher is a brilliant gamer who works a dead-end job to support her brother and ailing mother. Oh, well, uh, I can relate to that. When her brother enlists her help in an advanced game, Flynn sees something she shouldn't bring danger to the family's doorstep. That's a very, yeah, that sounds... very bare but... synopsis, but... <laughs> yeah, so, like I mean, the first thing... minutes in five seconds. Yeah, so... When I started watching this, the very first thing I noticed, of course, was the intro. And in the intro, I was like, wow, they're going into, like, Ready Player One Neuromancer kind of area. Like, man, William Gibson, if he didn't get in on this, I'd be shocked. And then who's, uh, you know, who's uh, based on the stories of? Oh, William Gibson. Okay. (laughs) Right? I was like, all right, well, at least I know who's on board. So the, the more or less the premise is, that yes she's very good at this game and they get sent this quote-unquote beta test virtual reality headset and this vr headset turns out to be more than just a standard vr set it's a complete interface it allows you to feel everything the Real Your quick. avatar feels. Yes, real quick. Of course, it is worth mentioning that um, in this story, she is the bastest ever. But. Well, no. But. It's not. But. <laughs> you're over there. But. It's justified. It's explained. Everything makes perfect sense. And that's why I like this show so far. Well, here's what I would well, say. She is the bestest ever. In the gamescape. In and it's real life. That it's only in the gamescape. In real life, she is a she needs help. weak gamer. In, in real life, she's a yeah, she's a gamer. <laughs> yep. Like by the numbers, and I loved that. I love that the the main character is it is a femme. It is somebody who's supposed to be um the weaker person who's also the more intelligent who's also not and i love that in the first episode you kind of feel like you're watching a mary sue for a second because of that best is ever thought and that's where i i I do credit you for going the way you went but also i i don't like the idea of just because we see a female character she's most likely a mary sue just because she's good in the first episode she's that's why i called it out the way i did but i I would actually say that the the moment that sums up her not being a mary sue very very well is when she's trying to buy medicine for her mother is confronted by three dudes and realizes how over her head she actually is winds up having to get help they are to hurt her yep winds up having to get help but here's the best part and then after she gets help from the guy realizes that her e-bike is low on charge and could probably use a hand getting home well and that 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 was just perfect that she's just in that scenario she acknowledged him she she knew that he i had that under control i don't i'm a strong independent woman i don't need no disabled man yeah, no. Well, no, well, no she, so what I, she did, right. well, she, there was that well augmented when, when, in return. When he pulled up, she was like, "No, no, you're you're wounded, like like weak, but you're weaker. Please, like, don't risk your life for me because it's already messed up. Like that just sounds horrible." But then, like, when he threw the bottle, you saw her recognize, like, "Oh, he's not lit." 
he's a hundred percent ready. And that's when she turns to him at the end of it and starts like uh, talking to him. And we don't find out till episode two, but like she knows exactly who he is, why he is the way that he is and has a familial connection to him. And I mean that more in terms of like, she feels like he's an older brother because of her brother's brothers in arms. And that to me really was apparent in that scene, looking back at it from later scenes. And that's what I really like about this show is even though not everything is expressed in that one scene, it all gets backed up by future scenes. It all makes more sense and it feels even more whole, which then add in all the science fiction and you're just like, this is so sick. Like I could not get over the flybys. Like we go from Conan flybys to peripheral flybys and peripheral learned a thing or two about a thing or two. Cause those are the sickest cityscapes I've ever seen on the big screen. It, I enjoyed every single second of watching this, <laughs> um, right out of the gate. It, it felt a little bit sluggish to start, but then it just, it, 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 it takes off and it just goes. And yeah, like I said, if you hated Tron Legacy, you definitely want to watch this. This this kind of feels like it it slides in it, some of it those elements. It tries to fix it, yeah. And and it, it's well, I think it really did fix it in the video, the first video game we see, the one that's the Ready Player One one. It's basically somewhat equivalent. I love the difference between the brother who wasn't using his controller the way she was, which shows that they actually care about like gamers in terms of who uses what type of controller. Like she's down here on her little like phone watch thing. And then he was like playing more like actually moving his arms with some well, kind of if, like feedback system. Well, yeah, because it's made very clear as the episodes progress that he has implants that allow him to directly interface with uh, certain was types that, of technology. I wasn't sure if that was for sure the implants based on that. I thought that was also like I thought that was just a game control variant, like an no, optional that, variant that was, for different player types. So that he was, is set up. So what I am looking at based on the the information I've seen and I might have taken a look at the the original work by William Gibson um his unit is all was all cybernetic up to be able to interface with the technology they were bringing to the battlefield. So like for example the drone that would be flying over the battlefield would be an extension of one of the operators vision that he was sending down to everybody else in it. But he'd be like hiding behind cover, getting ready to aim a shot, but he'd also be controlling the drone and making sure it was flying over the right area. So they had overwatch and so on and so forth. Ghost recon to me. I was so happy when I saw that. Like I, whoa, 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 whoa. Back it up. Back it up. Back it up. That's episode two. So, okay. Well, yeah, but even, in the episode one portion with the brother uh, and, and even the sister, I really liked the part where, and, and this actually really changes kind of my opinion of Prey, was where I was standing up and saying like they did take a lot of time to like show her as somebody who was paying attention and the tribe kind of listened to her, but some of them just didn't. This showed what that actually looks like, where when she walks up to the campfire and she goes, I think we, uh, like, I've been told there's a $9 million bounty on our family. And, and they all laugh at her entirely. Like they laugh her out of the, the space 
and then immediately go. We're we're tier one operators. Let's just maybe Let's take just a quick check. little look. Yeah. Yeah. What's and the worst no thing gonna happen? Like, we find nothing. Yeah, yeah, and we make fun of her more because she's hearing ghost stories. Like, win-win, right? But that's the way they. I thought love that's about your explanation like, for their motivation. <laughs> well, if well, she's wrong, we get to make fun of her some more. All right. <laughs> but even then, yeah. Like, but I mean, to be fair, that's, that's what operators do. Mindset. Ah, true. Because, because, true. Like they have to justify that that just the fact that she brought that to them. Now they have to sleep with that thought. And are they going to go to sleep without double checking? No. But if they double check, what are they going to do if she's a liar? Well, we're going to burn her. We're going to laugh at her. Oh, yeah. We're going to make fun of her. And that's how it works. Is like you're, when somebody tells you something's happening and you're trained to always be ready for something bad happening, you're going to double check. You'd rather be wrong than right. I'm, I'm also going to say, I don't think it had ever, uh, too much to do with the fact that she was a girl. And everything to do the, with the fact that she was the little sister of one of them. And that, yeah. you know, they're, they're kind of sitting there going like, oh, come on. You know, it's it's everybody in the team's little sister. And, right. and, and, and not even, she's, not, yeah. not only that, but you have to add on the fact that like, out of nowhere, she's just like, dude, they're coming after us, $9 million. And they're like, I'm pretty sure you got I'm hacked. fine. How are Is you? a Nigerian prince? Like, yeah. are you sure that but, wasn't nine dollars? Nine dollars. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. It sure wasn't nine dollars. Your family? We're nobody. We live in the that. woods of Appalachia. I mean, come on, nine million dollars. Yeah. And um, uh, well, apparently John has a nine million dollar bounty because he's bouncing. Um, well, yeah, right, but sorry, I, mean, I had to get the door to the loud voices. But no, oh. so like the nine million dollar bounty thing. Though, but like on top of it, they're like, also we're tier one operators. And yeah. they said, they called the girl. Like, you're not even the name on the pa- original package. Why would they call you? Why would they threaten the one person who's not, not dead? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that, but even then, like, that, that's what, like, makes Prey dumb is, like, where Prey was like, no, they just didn't listen at all and gave her no benefit of the doubt. In real life, people that actually love their friends and family and tribe, give them the benefit of the doubt, but also add some hazing into it. And the hazing isn't derogatory or pejorative it's hazing it's just goofing all busting extreme ball busting there you go and that's that's okay especially when you respect them enough to actually double check and then what happens when she's right they don't go oh we thought you were making it up they they just jump they're like she was right she cool she's not somebody that's gonna cry wolf we're always told everybody's crying wolf she came in super hot and it matched the situation let's go Mm -hmm. And that that's really where, like, how you write a good character. And I feel like that's where a lot of these modern writers are like, we have to write good female characters. And it's like, no, you write a good character first, and then you decide what they look like. Yeah, and to be fair, we do see a lot of, I'm going to call it positive femininity from her as well. She takes care of her family. She tries to make sure everybody's all right. She cares about the people around her. These are good things to see too, right? That's but dude. She's also pre- like presented as the most intelligent from her experience playing games, and for once, it's coming out of the game and into her real life, rather than just being games. Like it all works in the game. She's the 
like they talk about him her being the best at this version of ready player one and that's what got her the headset in the first place and how is she good at it well she's a gamer she plays games and she pays attention to all the rules of all the games and her brother even unfortunately it's in the second episode but her brother chastises her for her choice that we see in the game about letting the ghost free and she goes yeah but there was no other option you said you had been in there for 20 minutes and couldn't get out and i walked in and in five minutes continued the mission and he was like yeah but that's because you had empathy and she was like yeah but there was literally no other way to beat that mission so maybe empathy matters and he's like yeah well you know it, it's different philosophies right and that's the interesting mm -hmm. part we're seeing at play here the, the the interesting fact is that neither of them were wrong right no they're equally Tactically, working their their individual yeah. philosophies are working which is the frustrating part about life yeah i mean like that but it also shows a fantastic point right that you know for as much grief as she gives her brother a lot of it is more the kind of grief that a brother and sister give each other and less about either one of them being incapable both of them are capable they're just dealing with their stuff in different ways and, and her willingness to forgive him immediately when she realized he was wrong. Like, where's that? And, well, in a she lot of was female and, heroes. And, yeah. Well, when she was wrong, yeah. <laughs> where's <Right>. that? <laughs> That's it. Heroes these days. Like, she came out super aggressive at him about taking their mom's drugs. He protests. And then she talks to her mom about it and her mom explains the whole situation. It turns out he's given her all of his extra and it's still not enough for what her mom's going through. And in, in that instance, she goes, hey, I'm really sorry I came off at you. Like, I didn't know what the situation was. And and he just goes, yeah, you didn't. And, and I also know why you came at me hot because you thought you did. And I would have come at you hot if I thought you did. And Arende writes in she came in super hot interesting choice of words no that's exactly how i would describe how she came into this show yeah but for the for Grace the double Moretz. entendres she is a beautiful woman in every really? sense of the word oh really? i love chloe grace Moretz. she's okay, such a sure. just a fantastic actress person in terms of like her approach to what she thinks is right and wrong and yeah. she doesn't seem to be but I mean, look, she's one of the first female heroes that we've seen that actually seems like a dope hero for any gender, let alone for the female gender. Yeah. So I really, she, really appreciate she was her. the She was the strong point of both kick-ass movies. Except for Shadow of the Clouds. That sucked. That was such a dumb movie. Well, here's what I would say. Um, while I did not particularly find her physically attractive personally, um, the actress is fantastic. Oh, yeah. She does incredible in the role. And she definitely plays the character in a realistic manner that I would like her acting choices, I think were really well decided choices. So yeah. again, not there, there are definitely incredibly gorgeous women in this, uh, in this show. Uh, I just don't count her among them. There's nothing wrong oh, with that. Well, Everyone's allowed to have yep. preferences. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And and that's why I say what for me it's not an interesting choice of words. And and for for the character it it's not that it adds an extra level of it, but it goes back to what we consider heroes. Yeah. It not and Corian's the perfect example. She may not be in his mind the best looking among us, but she's definitely the best for that role. 
Oh yeah. It, best suited in every form and fashion. And I think that's something that's like really been lacking in a lot of our heroes, both male and female lately is the people aren't holding themselves to a higher standard, a heroic standard. And therefore they don't come off as heroic, whereas she holds herself to that standard. And we see it not in the fact that she's more, her clothing looks more expensive, but that it's always cleaner than everybody else's in the town. Like hers is the only stuff that's not constantly dirty because even though she's helping her brother, she's not babying him. She's not momming him. She's not doing his laundry. She's not telling him to wash up, but she's doing all of that for herself and for her mom. Big brother, it's time for supper. Mom's clothes and yeah, exactly. There was none of that level of that's how much of a cornerstone to the family she is she's the cornerstone because she's the one that keeps saying be nice and that's I, her I, that's her shtick is be nice i think Not the most mothering she does perfect. is leave a beer for her brother that wasn't mothering that was the most best friend <laughs> thing i've ever seen because she oh, walked on the window carrying two beers because she wanted to go spend time with him saw him suffer and I love that she goes back and gives her back. She's like, no, I don't want this alone. I wanted it with you and I didn't get to have that. So if you need them, because it looks like you do, they're here for you. And then when the brother like really goes, thanks for the beers, they were warm. Like that's brotherly love in terms of like, I'm not going to give you the full, you're a perfect person. You ain't going to get no satisfaction. <laughs> exactly. You're going to get a little sauce because I can't keep you thinking like, you're done. You're perfect now. You don't need to change. Like you need sauce until you die, because that's my job as your brother. Yeah, uh, I would also say that some of the other pieces that were really nicely done in this is, um, yeah, the the London of 2099 is gorgeous and it's... so idyllic, and yet kind of terrifying Very. and terrible as well. Yeah. And and Rin Shar, if you're still watching, um the soundtrack to this show is alone worth viewing because it, if you like the Conan soundtrack. Huh? Did it give you Dark Knight vibes? It, oh yeah. It kinda did, but it, it honestly it felt vibes. yeah, Dark Knight and Tron. Not the music, but vibe. Dark Knight and Tron is what I'd rate it. Is is a very just like the opening theme also feels somewhat different from the rest of the of the themes that they use in the show, which is what I like. I like a good opening theme that stands out like that on its own. Dude, but, I love the opening cut scene. Like the you whole see, scene. I don't, the theme is so pretty. I love yeah. that style. See, here's what I'm going to say. I actually did not like the opening credits. I like the opening music, but the opening credits make me feel like I'm watching a video that real player is failing on. Um, That's just how it feels to me. Like That's, to me, I and like I get that, that, that's, that version of digitization. Like, I get that like that's it, part it, of the it, aesthetic, but... It just doesn't work for me. I would like to see mm-hmm. something that feels less like watching the expanse opening through a a I, I don't even know what to say it, through like a really bad codec on, on a video player. Like that's what it felt like to me. I get what they were trying to go for. It just didn't hit for me personally. I, I... Oh, for me it hit so hard because I love that like. That lines, the color scheme that they chose are like the gold uh, threads. And and I like the discombobulation because it goes 
with this story like the picture isn't wholly there and the pieces that are missing might also be crucial okay so i want to address arendi's uh i was gonna say arendi has uh has announced he's actually watching along with us uh the giant statue shaped building felt weird yeah i think there's more explanation coming for those well i'm gonna say this i was going to say this have any of you noticed what those statue buildings are? The Roman They looked uh, yeah, very gods, Roman as far as I can tell. The Roman gods. Yeah, so when you which... think about the the imagery of you know, we're going to that level of almost decadence of recreating these statues in the city on that scale. On and that scale? Yeah. Dude, they are towers if towers were looking at towers so massive and like when you when it zooms in i love that and you see there's this whole series of corner offices on each side of the arm but not the middle because nobody wants a middle office they just want their corner office i'm going to say like this empire i'm going to say this if the if the the roman gods there is not foreshadowing i'd be shocked because i definitely yeah, feel like that's but, foreshadowing something see and here's my question to that and that's what this like that's what made them so cool is do you think it's foreshadowing future events that happened before 2099 or all of the events that are occurring will lead to events in 2100 which is where like episode two technically starts when they when they finally tell I, her what time she's in they say 2100 uh, all right i'll i'll get this over with and then then we can dig into <laughs> episode two all right episode two of the peripheral storyline from imdb mercenaries raid the family home seeking answers flynn returns to the headset and learns it's not a game but a time machine that goes 70 years into the future well sort of flynn makes a deal with wilf and lev and agrees to help find Aulita. Hey, Nemesis of Eden. Good to see you too. Um, yeah. So for for the second episode here, I mean, it starts with probably one of the best fight recon in real life. Yeah, like <laughs> probably Ghost one of the recon best future combat. Be. Yeah, it, I think it would be the best future combat fight scenes. I've seen in a good long while. Yeah, before we get into that, though, I did want to point out, it does seem that at least we can look forward to the fact that in 2032, Call of Duty is still doing World War II. Anyway. <laughs> Sticking the same thing. I was going to be so annoyed if the game was World War II. I was like, that's so <laughs> lazy. That's... That is the laziest writing you could do. Is just go I straight. did not see like, that coming. No. I didn't No, no, no. Just wait. Just wait. I'm predicting it now. We're eventually going to hit a zombie level. Oh, I hope so. Dude, I think there already were. There's like random talks about it like, oh yeah, you get trapped in this one room and you have to like kill whores and whores. And and it was just like a, a nuanced one of the levels that they had supposedly passed or gone around at one point. Yeah. But like dude, I loved the the fact that they the the tier one operators are way more tier one than uh 
the one the the time war the forever war with uh oh man i can't remember his name chris pratt yeah where he just goes to the future and is in the about tomorrow the same war. shoes tomorrow i was war. gonna say there's and, a forever war movie show we didn't review it with the book we have failed oh, oh that's right that was the book i was trying to think no of where we that do want a forever sense. war movie or show uh amazon prime yeah. if you're watching get the Netflix, forever war if you want to start kicking nuts it, against amazon you guys suck you guys <laughs> suck at fantasy you can't get fantasy for shit but man <laughs> when you guys do sci-fi sci-fi we're here for it sci-fi and uh you know realistic fiction that's that's two of primes great that, that's hey that's jam. pretty good that's yeah, pretty good guys, amazon is really good at paying for cgi Yep. Let's just stop having them try to also pay for writers. Let's just stop trying to, yeah, to co-opt classic works that don't need co-opting. <laughs> yeah, but in in, but, in the, go for it. Yeah, I, I was just I gonna say, but that. like the tactics that we see displayed, like at one point the invading mercenaries launch a drone, and what do these tier one operators do? They hack it <laughs> and rig up a video feed, and they're like, let's show these fools who they're playing with. And then How during many of you the fight, they were gonna wipe the floor with them because right? of that. I was so hyped. I was like, "Okay, yeah, they're cheating, and that's why they win." Yeah, and the fun part was near the end of that fight when they realized that they've been hacked right back. Yeah, that's what I mean. I was like, "Oh, it is a two like it is a multiplayer game. Like it is. Oh, you get thirty seconds of camera jammer, jammer. Screw your HUD. Screw yeah. your, your, your world. Like." You're going Stupid to, Call of Duty perks. Yeah, exactly. This is what I love about it. You've got Call of Duty, World War II Call of Duty, you've got Ghost Recon, and you've got... Um, Tron Legacy. Uh, Tron Legacy. There you go. Those are like all four... And Westworld. Of these, and Westworld on top of it. And it's all combined... Yeah. In a See, world where it's its own story, where none of those actually wholly matter to the main story that's going on. They all add to it. They all add weight and carry it to where it is and make it relatable on all those other fronts. But also this one story that's trudging through is amazing. What did you guys think about the three shop as like a form of business? In the oh, the 3D future? print shop? Dude, I've been saying that that would be... look. One of the things that I've been saying I would love to do that I think would be a great thing to do would be to set up a, a way to print like a and d miniature in a while-you-wait kind of format and set that up in like a game store. So you walk in, you put in the parameters of your character, and it prints you a mini in like an hour. That would be the gr best shop ever. And if it ever gets 3D printing to the point where it could handle that, a vending machine 3D printer to print out like items while you wait kind of scenario would be fantastic. This is absolutely a thing we are going to see down the road. And their version of it, I felt like was the most accurate for a... Uh, rustic town in the future like 90 percent of their orders are handled by these two techs who know exactly what's going on with the printer and then like all the rest are handled by this one tech who knows how to fix the printers 
and that seems so normal and then also like the way that they just threw it into this strip mall and and, and also maintain the nuance of pharmaceuticals constantly costing tons of money and then also just all of the real world struggles of real poor people in the future and they're dealing with them in a futuristic way not the normal way not the way that we currently are they're, like took the time to add all of those layers to this story and i love that so much even though it's never talked about like they never do you work oh i work at the local 3d print shop because as you know in 2024 we started using 3d print shops like a regular thing no skip over that that's where do you work what is that are those tiny fridges oh they're printing things oh i know about 3d printers i can connect the dots most people might not. So they I liked, won't connect the dots. So they'll just be like, oh, that's a weird future thing I, I, I would have never expected. Yeah, I liked how 80s retro that store looked, too. I, I thought that was mm -hmm. funny. I also thought that was scary because it seems that 80s nostalgia is going to go on for several more decades. Well, uh, it's like a one-hour photo booth, right? I mean, like, that's what I felt <laughs> like the 3D printer shop was. Yeah. Uh, Rende writes in says, there's already something similar online. Hero Forge prints custom minis, but boy, they're pricey. Yeah, same with the uh, reason I haven't bought any Star Trek online ships is because I can't justify $120 for a micro machine that, you know, and I've already got made, a bunch of. That's what made this make sense as a lucrative well, just business let me... because one of the like struggles with owning a 3D printer is you own one. This store is printing... There like has like it looks 30 like of rows them. of yeah. yeah, three yeah. rows of ten. And that was the front office. We didn't even see the ones that were printing the uh the the helmet, because that was using a different type of alloy versus like the wedding decorations we see. And so I think that's like what made it so cool is like what if Hero Forge had an entire shop in every neighborhood across America? It was a McDonald's of 3D printing. Yeah, I, I don't even think it needs like. to be a I don't even think it needs to be a full shop if Hero Forge was going to like set up like I don't know like I almost want to call it a vending machine style setup. I think it would work great. You just got to get the I, reliability up. I think it's closer to a one-hour photo thing where yeah, like, you know, put your order in and then go shop around the mall. Yeah, and then by the time you're done shopping around the mall, your character's done. It, yeah, unless the parts, unless the parts for 3D printers become so mainstream that stealing them would be, you know less lucrative than just leaving the damn thing alone uh you're probably gonna have but, a shop style with security because well, 3d no, printers no as you know mr corian <laughs> not cheap actually actually there's the one guy who oh is it on your canadian health plan printer and then posted how to build your own 3d printer and encourages people to buy his make their own and return his the, the yeah so the canadian honestly you can you can build a reasonable 3d printer for about 200 bucks Ah. if you're willing to do it yourself mine is my 3d printer is a bit more advanced when i'm using a resin printer because i print more detailed stuff that being said Scogli yoten has subscribed Scogli yoten welcome thank you for the support we greatly appreciate it that puts us at 90 subscribers we are 10 away from getting a better custom url that's so crushing it. Thank you, Skogly. Welcome, Skogly. Glad to see you here, and we'll of course look forward to seeing you Thursday. Yeah, yeah. That 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 all being said, um, you know, Petey, if you've got ships you want printed, send me the list. 
I'll oh, cover you. I'll 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 get it right to you as soon. I got my entire fleet needs to. My micro machines could use some new company. Um, Arende says pulls up a toilet paper of just all of them. He's been writing. It's the one roll of toilet paper he's actually saved forever. Well, I definitely want to get my memorial ships, like the ones I I made after Mom and Royce and and my buddy Steve Ferris. I'd like to have those uh, printed at some point. But and then of course, I mean, paint things yeah. across him. That that being said, at some point I've got to I've got to break down and decide to uh, print a uh, deep like a uh, deep, the station Deep yeah. Space Nine. Yeah, uh, I could actually use one of those because my DS Nine has battle damage. Um, nice. Arende said thanks to um, yeah. Um, Arende says I have a filament printer. Uh, bought mm-hmm. very good minis. Resins is better for player character minis, or excuse me, not very not good. very good. Mini, um, for minis, yeah. And uh, uh, Nemesis oh, Beaten asks, how much did yours cost, Corion? I paid for my... Um, God, I can't even remember the name of the, the printer now, but mine is a, a really high-resolution uh, resin printer, and I paid about 200 bucks for mine. Um, but I got mine used, I wheeled and dealed, and got sneaky about it, and managed to get a really good deal on mine. Yeah, I, I was going to say. And the IRS that. writes in, what is your annual income? Sorry, deleted that one. That's a bot. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> My annual income is, <laughs> I do okay. Actually, I'm pretty sure Corion would respond to that to the IRS going, I don't answer to you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yo, the you IRS answer to something bot. much worse. Um Oh, looks like CRA's the right. have entered the chat. No, we've joined with the IRS. We are here to arrest It's you. a global IRS, peasants. Actually, it technically is. That's a show. That's a discussion for the Rogue Council. Rogue Once again, Council. we can start writing all these down and then just... We may have to go to a, a oh, like just, three just weeks wait, at a time show here very soon. Just wait. Inside Job Season 2 is coming. When that comes, I want to hit that on Rogue Council. Something fierce. Uh, Nemesis of Eden says, that's really good. I'm interested in getting a 3D printer. I have a business idea I'd like to enact in the future. Well, why wait, Nemesis of Eden? Whatever your idea is, enact it now. Because tomorrow is never guaranteed. Unless it's one of those, unless it's one of those long, holding you back. Yeah, unless it's one of those long-term goals. Like my my new current goal is, regardless of the success of TWB, regardless of the success of Galaxia as a book, whatever happens, I now have a new goal, and my wife just got us a gateway into getting there, and that is, I'm going to own a Taco Bell. Regardless of what happens with our success here on this show, because and that's the best part. If I own a Taco Bell. I can retire because I own a Taco Bell. <laughs> and that's now one of my new life goals, regardless of where this goes. And I hope it goes. I, I hope in, in five years from now, we're doing this show live on the beach in Key West with, with uh, alcohol. No, dude, we're going to do it live in your Taco Bell. And that, Absolutely. Maybe I can buy the <laughs> Key West Taco Bell when the time comes, but that's... That's it right now. Uh, Nemesis V says, just lacking the cash right now. Okay, so... And that's, and that's, that's why I say write it down. Yeah, exactly. Write it down no. once rewrite it and rewrite it and make it literally a hundred percent lucrative pretend like you're pitching to shark tank yeah practice and, and, like you're gonna pitch to shark tank and then when you actually pitch to real investors they'll be like dude you overdid it but yes here's our money 
And depending on what kind of business you're getting into, you might want to at least try and have 50% ready and not be totally reliant on loans. The, the loan credit system is very, well, speaking of sharks, um, yeah, and but go that's good. That's good that you got your goals going. Meetings. That's awesome. We, we love hearing that here. Uh, people working on, on success stories. That's, that's fantastic. And we wish you the best. And, uh, you know, we're not super business minded ourselves. We're still learning along the way with this show, but uh we do believe in networking and getting oh, yeah, you the resources you're a video game qa too oh shit that's great me too yeah i was for for i was for uh, halo infinite and i missed the job itself a little bit but uh yes gogolioten writes in predatory <laughs> yes loan sharking is very predatory and, and right and and that's why so here's a couple of real world suggestions that i learned in my time as an entrepreneur your local colleges and find their business department and then find what they're doing for pitch because a lot of local investors in your area will go to those meetings and tell you how to get better yes and then on top of that um not just local pitch meetings and local colleges but the better business bureau if you're in the united states the better business bureau i don't know if it extends all the way to canada uh same they're a great a great organization that's usually loco local local that you can use um, usually not local that's why people trust them yeah (laughs) the furthest thing from loco they're usually super boring but useful like very communicative very mature like professional speak informational almost always extremely informative yeah i mean i'm sure corion you can talk about what whatever i'm sure your your uh your employer they probably network with um, tech schools all over the place. I mean, that's yeah. the place to get your business connects is, is definitely tech school. Whether you want to go to tech school or just try to network there, however you want to go about doing it, lots of businesses. I mean, we we even here in Idaho have a at our local community college, we have a Cisco networking course. It's yep. literally called the Cisco networking course. So, and if yep. you're not in school, it's even easier because I don't say go to the school as a student. I say just go look at their boards on their websites at, in the actual building. You will find the, the events and a flyer and they never say students only or yep. almost never say. Yeah, Nemesis right. says thank you for the advice anytime. We're, we're here to help any way we can. Uh, yeah. As best and, we can. And Nemesis, if you have any questions about uh, 3D printing and whatnot, um, hit me up on Twitter. I'll try to answer what I can. At Corion. Yeah, that's uh, if only there was something we could do for for that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I was watching it and I had not I, I've had never felt so in wrapped in a sci-fi show the way that I it, it was like I said it was very similar to the feelings I got when I watched Altered Carbon for the first mm-hmm. time um it's season one let's not get carried away and I, I didn't watch season two so i can't have a, a real opinion on it but i didn't feel like it was worth the time i, I would also say that this 100 percent feels a lot like um if you like this you will love uh william gibson's actual work so check him out too. I apparently am having problems spelling Corion all of a sudden. C O R A O N. Yes. If you would like to talk to Corion directly and don't want to put up with me, this is how you can reach him. 
Um, yeah. Uh, I, I'm I, honestly, I don't see too much. I mean, what do you guys think is going to come? What do you think we're what? What kind of ride do you think we're in for for what? What? What do you see foreseeing? What do you foresee taking place? Okay. Well, first, I think we're going to find out about the calamity that happens between the two timelines. Uh, one, two, I think we're going to find out that um, the device that she interfaced with um, in the first episode when she was pretending to be Reese, I think we're going to find out that that is the key to um, being able to manipulate timelines. Like that is the, the trick to this whole temporal thing. And that's what everyone is really after is the ability to go through the various timelines and pull stuff out as needed. Yeah. And, and that's what I like is I love the ambiguity, the ambiguity behind how exactly does this stuff work? Because they say it, they call it quantum tunneling, not to get confused with traverse drive uh, tunneling, which I use as the faster than light travel in this story. For those interested link in the comments, John, um, but what I like is that it's it's it implies that they might not be on the same timeline and that they might just be crossing instances and that and that what happens in their future might not necessarily well obviously won't impact the past for physical reasons but like the future that they're supposedly fighting in and messing with might not actually be their future and so and then, of course, she calls him out. She's like, oh, so you guys don't really care about me because I might not even be the person you work with on the next job. And they're like, well, it's not that so simple. Um, mm -hmm. I... Yeah, Rende, they, they do say they're on, they outright say they are on different timelines. But I feel like that's more of an important line than, than a throwaway. If anything, I, I think, think it really right. gives away the secret, the secret of the series. I, I yeah, think I it, really it, felt yeah. like it, it 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 created the multiverse similar to uh any um like Marvel multiverse theory and stuff like that. But then if you think about it, they immediately nipped it in the snub by deciding that the I as soon as the inter initial interaction occurred that world's history is no longer equal to the 2099 history. And so when in the very first scene of the first episode, uh, Al Alistia, um, I can't remember her name or how to pronounce it, but a Lita, uh, not to Alita be confused with, no, 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 no. It's spelled <laughs> differently. It's a Lita, a E L I T A. When uh, a Lita, uh, says i'm going to save a world and that's mm -hmm. that that's that's how she knows that her job is not to save every world or the main world it's to stop these snubs from being you exploited because like as long as they have connection to this snub they can constantly use it to their benefit in some extent like they can use the operators to their benefit so what if they just turned an entire snub into operators and you know built roman style empire buildings even just consider this this is my 
current working theory. If you have this ability to quantum tunnel into other realities, okay, you now have a complete multiverse at your disposal in terms of technology, innovation, resources, potentially their genetic info, potentially their computer information. Imagine if you had the internet from an infinite number of theoretical Earths where things are different enough that you had innovations from all those worlds. Imagine the technology you could suddenly bring to the forefront, right? If you had the manufacturing capability, you could basically produce anything at that point, right? I mean, just just consider this, right? And I'm just using basic, basic stuff, right? Imagine we have access to the, the sum total knowledge of every fictional universe we've ever come across. Suddenly, wow. I'm pulling stealth, stealth boys from Fallout. I'm, you know, looking up Tony Stark's old armor designs. Um, you know, I'm grabbing shield helicarrier blueprints. Like, just whatever. You don't know, right? It's a grab bag, potentially, of technology. And that's a heck of an interesting thing that this could be just purely monetarily motivated by. Yeah, and I think it even implies, though, too, that that they might just, that could just actually be a throwaway line so that the timeline is preserved. So that, mm -hmm. oh, yeah, no, you, we don't actually, you're not actually from our past, but we're saying that so that you don't change your actions to distort our future because, as it turns out, you are linked directly to our past. But they're trying to be coy about it because they, that's that's how they keep the, that's how they keep the, from interfering with the timeline is is, oh, just don't, just tell them that they don't ma they don't matter they don't make a difference for us and then and then that makes well, them more think, receptive to working I, in the future i feel like they made a much more convincing and while technically it's super chaotic because the amount of possibilities are suddenly endless again just like rick and morty and just like uh, multiverse and just like all these other things but if you think about it they really did do a better version of the tva from loki where mm -hmm there is a group well aware of what they're doing but they don't necessarily know the outcomes it's not like they're constantly in every world in every timeline at every instance instead no they're responsible for creating multiple instances and who is keeping them in check the rich people that invented them that are also making money off of them continuing to not be in check you know kind of like every other corporation in the history of ever like this world they're like, why, where did all these people go? Well, they probably either got farmed to death for their labor or were killed and now no longer needed to be repopulated because we have mechanical labor force that's much easier to sustain and reproduction for some reason may or may not have ended. I kind of get the vibe that reproduction ended. Yeah, like that's there's part of the catastrophe. There's definitely going to be some interesting, uh, interesting developments the second she decides to go on Google and look herself up to see what happens in these other timelines. And I mean, there's there's so many directions this show could go. And I was already surprised after you know that opening gun battle in season or season two. Excuse they me. They actually did a good, good <laughs> job of two. making sure that they can't see all of the timelines. They explained that this is a black research. Like the ability to achieve it is super secret and Alita did have to break into a super 
super dark site. Like we saw them go down a hundred floors and there was a freaking whale in the middle. Yeah, I was going to say, to be fair like, though, like 50 of those whales are, or 50 of those floors are for the great, uh, are for the sperm whale that's just kind of chilling out down there. For, but for then also to like think about it, like what if the the people that we're watching are London 2099's version of the resistance see star wars but now nah, i'm good. even in this world the poorest people are still way off than the or worse off or better off than the richest people of our time nah, I... and all the people are missing because they're in those towers and they have actually like paid their allegiance to the tower no nah, no nah. I, I prefer to believe that the, actually the sperm whale there is from is, is another one of these uh, beings that they've grabbed from another timeline, and he's just this really smart sperm whale that they have working in the research lab. What if it's literally just a way of making you not want to drill in? Like it's they're just like we literally just cut the ocean, and now there is a hollow Earth because we made it so that you can't get to the other levels underneath the or in between, you know. That's, yeah, but that's going to really cause the continents to, like, London. drift and... Sh- yeah, I don't think that's really as good I, 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 I was just going to go with, like, that's going to really piss off the flat earthers, dude. <laughs> yeah. Hollow earth. They find out that it's it's actually hollow, not flat. Oh, they're driving crazy. Now, somebody somebody in hollow charge of the construction was, was obviously a huge Star Trek Four fan and was like, okay, we need to get a whale in there. Well, okay, the humpbacks went extinct anyway. Well... Let's try a sperm whale for the next best thing. Arenda writes uh, Arendi, in. Oh, Arenda, you're probably right. Um, it is well, probably just them trying the, to bring back extinct the, animals. Well, you, you got to read the text first on this show. All Remember, right. we're a podcast. All right. So, Arendi, or they're just trying to bring back animals that went extinct from whatever catastrophe happened. Look, you're totally right. That's probably what it is, but this is way more fun. Yeah. And the one thing you can count on me to do is come up with ridiculous, hilarious theories that sometimes turn out right. Yeah, and that's and I, that's one of the I reasons don't... we bring you back. Arende follows up, says, imagine the money you'd be able to make if you control animal repopulation. And and that was kind of hinted at with the uh, the financier of uh, this whole the operation. Tasmanian Tigers, and, yeah. Exactly. and But also it was like, it was the most throwaway version of Jurassic Park. Like, I really get the vibe that they inadvertently permanently removed reproduction from their uh, society. And so, because like, you kind of have to think about the idea of what would drive Jeff Bezos to inventing time travel with the past and not the future mm-hmm. you know and, and so my thought is well he can't nobody can reproduce anymore nemesis but of eden writes give everybody access nemesis of eden writes and says i'd make a chocobo if i could uh, that's a mount in uh, final fantasy that's a chicken ostrich yeah no it's, it's fantastic it's a non-flying bird um yeah, I, I like I said, I I I had high expectations for this show, and they've already been met. So I'm I'm really looking forward to the. Here's something crazy that I think we kind of didn't 
notice the bike disintegrated like it was a video game. Yeah. So, so nanotech. Do they have nanotech? Yeah, nanotech. Because that plays all these other like important pieces into the whole story. Like, what if the Tasmanian tigers aren't actually genetically created? They're just nanites in Tasmanian tiger form. Mm-hmm. Well, then we a lot to go on. You know, it's yeah. No, so now now we have the Borg as a possible adversary. Yeah, technically, because like there, there's all these computers, there's all these robots, and there's there's time travel, and time travel in terms of going back is what we know, but we haven't seen something happen with the eye in the first episode that seems super important because Alita risked an entire unknown. That that, that was a hard one to watch. Uh, I I had I had Kurtzman vibes suddenly. I, was <laughs> I know like... I did too. I was like, oh man, why we got to do the eye thing again? <laughs> but right, like... it was scientific and it had actual purpose, not, you know, how do we how do we kill off a character in the most asinine, stuck-up way possible for no real reason aside from uh, meaningless, vindictive bullshit. And when you realize that everybody involved is a peripheral, it kind of makes it less terrifying. Right. Are they, though? Well, I, I get this really strong sense that Alita knew who she was dealing with, and all of the initiation that we've seen so far seems like Alita's now going to be like the main adversary or the main goal. But I think Alita and the main character are a lot more closely related than we know in terms of like their genes. They could be family lines. They could even exist I, in the same timeline. Well, I get this major vibe that the hey guys, reason I got to bounce. Um, you guys carry on. Oh, uh, okay. but I've just actually got work paging out. me, so I got to go. All right, duty good calls. Luck. All right, guys, take care. Have a good night. Good discussion. Love you. Bye. Bye. But it, I, I think about this like the idea of what if the. Uh, Alita's reason for setting her up in all those steps. What we thought of is like, oh, that was pushing the camel for a a, a suicide vest, right? Like, like the the peripheral that the the main character is playing is a is just a suicide vest that Alita needed. But why didn't she look at the thing? Why was it that she used this peripheral to take in that information? And because they took in that information. Hey. <laughs> uh, somebody's really excited about peripheral back there. Somebody's. I mean, that was basically what I was doing the whole late. time I was watching the show, just you know, quietly in my head. Like I, I, I was, I, I wasn't I necessarily nervous going in, but, but I, I didn't think we were gonna get top tier, grade A grass fed sci fi um, with this show, and and that's. Not this is fast either. This is what I because love in the first five minutes. Yeah, this is what I love about science fiction. This is exactly the type of science fiction that I enjoy. It's one of the reasons I Robot is one of my favorite stories. And and yes, I love Star Wars and Star Trek, but those are more science fantasy, admittedly. This is true, grounded science fiction. The way that that it is supposed to be. Nemesis of Eden says this show is really sounds a bit tr- intriguing. Yes, and this is it. It's a weekly drop every Friday on Amazon Prime. So if you want to catch up on those first couple episodes and then hit up episode three and then and then be more involved in the discussion next week, please do. Um, 
we we and of course we'll be continuing yeah, I want to hear your guys' thoughts especially oh, yeah. like your your imaginations of what we're seeing like even if we're wrong it's more fun to see how wrong we are like let's, let's yeah no we, we love with this science fiction we love doing theories on this show and so it's one of the best things all right we are coming down to the last uh four minutes or so so john anything you want to plug or any quick last things you want to say about peripheral before we wrap it up here uh plug always sunny podcast i started watching that this week it has been so funny if you like always sunny in philadelphia it's uh mac charlie and dennis just in a podcast and if instead of bartenders they're writers it literally feels exactly like any of the banter scenes in always sunny but for an hour it's the best thing i've ever watched it's so funny it's so great and just so non-asking anything of you like they automatically got a hundred thousand views oh, of right out the gate because of always sunny and so they're not constantly plugging anything they did finally get ads at episode 35 but they gotta make money too you know but they're oh, also oh, like one really of my goals about it they don't lose step in it they're con- like their ads are written by them done to each other for each other and making money off along with eventually one day owning a taco bell i absolutely will be paying for ad space on this show to promote taco bell it doesn't need it but that's how much i love taco bell oh dude we'll promote your taco bell just so that we can get more (laughs) fans to show up for signings yeah exactly exactly um (laughs) that's where yeah start is it's gonna be the the twb con will be in the taco bell your local taco bell you guys host it you set it up you bring your own flyers we'll cheer you on yeah um also on uh on thursday we will be having a new episode with corion um doing the uh, rogue council broadcast which i can never find him on youtube so uh, actually wait it should just be what youtube.com slash corion there's another character. It's like slash something slash. It's like one letter. Like There's w some, yeah, Corzeon, Witch in Residence, which, okay. <laughs> um, so please tune in Thursday for that. I know some of you guys are already subscribed. And please, if you do like what we do here, it does help. Um, we do love all your guys' support and all your interaction. And we do and appreciate. Participation. And participation. And it's participation. really fun to talk to you. Absolutely. Especially directly. Absolutely. I mean, right now we're still a small show and we're happy to be a small show so we can be a bit more uh, authentic and, um, you know, have these more have these more personal discussions, which so, yeah, enjoy the ride while we're still here, because that's the thing I remind myself of. Yeah, I'd like to wake up one day and be like the sunny in Philadelphia and have those hundred thousand views. I'm also happy to just to get to know you guys that are here first initially in in the founding days of the Ryder Brothers. And so. You guys are all just as important making this uh, dream a reality. And we love bringing content to you guys. And, of course, we'll keep showing up every Tuesday uh, as much as we can. Uh, Any last uh, quick things to plug? Finally, John, before we got uh, about... That sums it up. Thanks. I I appreciate you guys. Thanks for joining us. Hope you uh, you all brush your teeth. Yeah, and if you guys... You guys uh, need to wipe your butts. Yeah. Uh, Nemesis of Eden Ryan said, says, it's always great interacting with you guys. Sounds awesome. Stay amazing. PD Poyo and same to Arende. Uh, we will do our best. 
Next week, we'll be back with our uh, next two episodes of Star Trek Deep Space Nine to continue our watch through. And we will also be back with episode three of The Peripheral. I'm Pete York, the Ryder Brothers. Thanks for watching. Have a good night. This has been a presentation of The Writer Brothers. The Writer Brothers, restoring respect into discourse.